so like as a person who works for an office chair company you prefer a non-recline or i mean it's all about context man so like podcasting being the context it's not a matter of i would prefer it's like when i have the recliner i do it and i can hear on the recordings me get quieter and louder depending on how serious i'm being and it's like when i'm i'm in it's like i'm in the back just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> And, like, we're drinking scotch, we're having a good time. I was just, like, I was already feeling myself laying right. back, like, getting into chill mode. But this is serious business. Do you feel like, um... No, I'm kidding. I'm reclining. This is nuts. Like, I work, um, in the brick industry, so when I see other people's, like, backyards, I judge them. Do you, like, walk into people's houses and judge the way they sit? No. No, I have terrible posture. <laughs> Dude, like, it's it's an industry that, like, if I didn't end up in it, I wouldn't know that it was even as serious as it is like now that i know the pleasure and joy of like a more elite office chair for my day-to-day existence like i want that for everyone but i don't i don't care what people do hmm. now if i see you with a fucking 60 dollar height adjustable desk from target maybe i'll tell you to go fuck yourself this is this is the least interesting <laughs> beginning of a podcast maybe in history Dude, not, could, not even us yeah i could not imagine two people with less interesting jobs than the two of us you're like oh i'm gonna <clears throat> try out the movie blues podcast for the first time let me listen to the fountain one of the more serious episodes <laughs> that they'll ever and do I'm like fuck fuck yeah height adjustable desks baby and it starts with like a uh a tight 20 about chairs. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, oh man, this 18 year Seagram's dude. Like, <laughs> this cask is fucking Dude, slaying. I like how Seagram's escapes as it ages, gets a little bit of like a musk to it. I know, this is a very wooden-y, yeah. acai blue breeze. It's still acai. <laughs> Seagram's escapes. Sip happiness. Is it? Yep. You know what? This kicks off my cold open. <laughs> okay. Because <clears throat> here we go. Because you know, a few things up okay. front. A okay. few things up front. Great. I have to confront you about something. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen Dan in months. <laughs> We're having a good. Is time. that the case? We're when having... was the last time I saw you? Uh, Southland Tales. Yeah. Okay. We're having a last good, week. We're having a good time. Dan lulls you into a false sense of security. He's like, you want a drink? Mm-hmm. You want some food? Yep. I made why him smoke hey, a whole joint. Hey, why don't you recline? <laughs> I told him to relax. We more. got problems. <laughs> Listen, I'm about to fuck you up because yeah. I've been deemed with mental health. <laughs> so here's here's the thing. A bitch will treat on you in the daytime. <laughs> um, as anyone uh, trained in the arts of the movie Blues Podcast would know, of course, this is just repeating for the audience's sake. But um, Dan is still adjusting his chair. He's a professional. Yeah, you know, don't worry. Don't, um, worry, don't worry, guys. I got this. <laughs> um, there is a trend. There's many parts of the movie Blues podcast you could say that starts with the phrase, there is a trend. You could say there's a trend of saying there is a trend. But in this case, there is a trend where Dan Enden engages in brutal conflict of all kinds <laughs> about, about, about all topics, about all... Uh, stances of life, and um, sometimes he's right. Uh, and I've I've told him I've said Dan, I'm wrong. <laughs> I think now I, I want to preface something else up front. I'm a very stubborn person, so I don't often admit when I'm wrong. 
it's hard. Thank let's, you for owning that. Let's get let's get it all on the table. Okay. It's it, when you're when you're a highly opinionated person, it's hard to admit when you're wrong. That being said, okay, the amount of times that I've gotten Dan Endon to say I was wrong about something, few, very Spar- small, sparse. I would say zero. No, it's happened on this podcast. Numerous I'm not sure times. about that. Numerous times, I got the receipts. You say things like I got the receipts, and I never see any receipts, but <laughs> you can't just say that and I then never provide I come from a long them. line of people who threaten receipts. So, yeah, this is like one of his tactics, is threatening receipts. So I have to, this might be actually its own episode. This might be a side piece, I'm not sure. But I have to go through this anyway. So I, I've never really, I don't have any recollection of you ever saying, like, I'm wrong about something. Okay. And I feel like I've gotten close there are times like in the epic Paramore argument of early 2022. You were not right on that. Okay, but you would say that about anything because you've never been wrong. So <laughs> technically that's going to work for anything I bring up. But um, I'm going to try for the audience, for myself. God, this might be the first episode Cat listens to now that because <laughs> this sounds familiar. <laughs> I'm going to try so hard. To get Dan and to say I was wrong. Now, I don't want an apology because this wasn't anything serious. This is literally like side chatter that we were having. Okay. This, is, this is not a big deal, okay. um, even though I'm teeing it up like it is a big deal. That's my job. Yeah, yeah. That's like your whole general vibe. That's my vibe. I mean, what else were you going to do here? Yeah, this happened recently when you were talking about how I was talking mm-hmm. about some movie. It was like the, no. the gift from God. Oh, you're saying what I'm about to reference? No, I'm no. saying that you do this. I do this, yeah. yeah. I try I try to be right. Uh, God forbid. Okay. One time ever. Now, I've studied Dan. Uh, <laughs> much, as, much as Diane Fossey spent the time with the gorillas in the mist, I have tracked <laughs> his behaviors. I know his escape routes. I know, like, when there's an opening in something for him to be able to be like, that's not what I said. That's not how I said it. So I'm coming into this with receipts. Okay, great. I want to posit up front that these receipts 100% equivocably prove that I am correct and you are wrong. And that no no power in the world could change that. But I know you. You're so slippery. (laughs) (laughs) You are like the Teflon Don. And I just (laughs) need to like... I I craft my arguments so that I'm impenetrable. Well, saying I didn't say that is not real. Uh, Yeah, sure, that works. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anytime, for, you know, for someone who upstairs was like mm, mulling over the prospect, you're like, oh, maybe should I have a cold open? You seem to have a very planned cold open. Oh, no, 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 no. I, wa- I was just trying to figure out which episode we were going to do this. Okay, time. good. All right. This was happening. All right, good. So the other day, Dan and I are talking about anal sex. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gay, gay anal sex. Okay. So that is the topic. Dude, I know where this is going. Okay. All right, relax. Okay. And I don't want you to interrupt me and say, yeah, you know, you're right. I, I want to really drink this one in. Okay. The best that I can. Okay. Now, I was talking about a very good friend of mine <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Let's call him Harrison. Yeah. For argument's sake. For argument's sake. And I was slam dunking on him as I'm one to do. <laughs> and I sent Dan the receipts of me slam dunking him in a chat about uh, a band Let's call them, for argument's sake, Space Bacon, the band. There's a colon. And I sent the receipts to him, and I said, 
yeah, like I'm, I love occasionally dunking on my boy Harrison. Uh, he's my power bottom. Now, there's a long mythos that we're not going to get into of Harrison and I being gay lovers that we like to perpetuate in the Horizon Wireless community because it's huge for our yeah. ad sales. The word, the part of the, the word mythos is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Um, and so Dan okay. then said to me, That's me, I'm Dan. Um, so he's the power bottom, so he's fucking you. <laughs> and then I said to him, now here's the part at which, and this happens to me all the time with Dan, because Dan is very smart. And when you argue with a smart person, which is very different than arguing with a woman, Damn. you have to know when things are about to go south for you. And, <laughs> you. and you get a feeling down deep that no person like Dan and I ever wants to feel, which is, oof. I might be wrong somewhere in my future here. Like, and I might be about to step on a nail. Okay. So I'm thinking in my mind, what does he mean by that? Like, <laughs> and I'm thinking in my mind, am I wrong? Am I about to be outed as a, a, a woke 23rd century man who doesn't know what power bottoming is? I thought that I was up with the lingo. I thought that I was cool with the kids. Now, I will say, that you at one point were partially correct. Okay. Because you said, yes, he's the bottom, but he's fucking you. Mm hmm And then I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so this is like a, a power and control dynamic thing. That's what power bottoming is. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like, the way that you were saying it, I was getting confused. So I was like, okay, like, yeah, that's our vibe, Harrison and I. <laughs> but just so you know, it's always his butt. <laughs> and then, now let me bring out the receipts. This is what people are message from looking for for the fountain episode. Me message from Pendulous Ballsack, <laughs> which is Dan's name in our one-on-one -on -one V chat. No, I'm going to read you the whole thing. It's just one small page. Okay. I say, I dunk on Harrison so hard sometimes. He's a power bottom for sure. Then Pendulous Ballsack says, power bottom means he's fucking you hard, just from the bottom. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And then I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm always trying to get fucked, but it's for sure his butt. And then Dan said, now, ladies and gentlemen of the court, I want you to open your ear pussies as big as you can. He says, yeah, I'm saying that if he is the power bottom, then it's your butt. And I said, what? Really? At this point, I'm like, I'm wrong. This is a problem. I can't be wrong because that's how we're wired. I just don't want to be. Yeah. This, this is yeah, Dan no, I proving remember, I, I once was, again that he is the wokest of them all. No, I was sitting there watching you like there was a moment where you went to type and then you backspaced and then yes. stopped saying you were typing. Yes, yes. And I was like, I was like, God is ass. I was like, <laughs> we're doing it. Pun intended. <laughs> then I said, what really? And you said, yeah. Yeah. And I said. I'm not Googling this. You're gay, so I trust you. And you said, thank you. Now, Dan, I did what I said I wasn't going to do, and I Googled power bottoming. <laughs> Let me tell you something about power bottoming. A phrase that has the word bottom in it. Mm -hmm. It is always their butt. <laughs> I looked it up. It's history. It's fucking etymology. It's fucking use in society. And it's various abuses. 
power bottoming is what I was saying before. It is a dynamic thing. Yeah, yeah. Where I use, he uses Harrison. We'll call him his butthole to fuck me. But he's trained his butthole to tighten and also expand greatly to take any load, any size, any cock. That's power bottoming. It is a, it is, uh, you know, uh, what's the bit in Clerks 2? Um, Porch Monkey, I'm taking it back. Yeah. This is like the gay community was taking back what is outwardly, visually maybe a degrading thought, which is getting fucked up your ass yeah. and turning Making it into it a power submissive. play. Yeah, yeah. That said, yeah. Dan Enden, were you wrong? <laughs> yes, I was wrong, but you're missing an important part of this. This is how it starts. <laughs> I'm going to play the fucking theme song. Okay. Why do you have to... Uh, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I've had time to cool off, even though you're antagonizing me during the theme song. Yep. You know that you were. You're yep. flicking the mic. You know that I hate that. Yeah, yeah. Your defense. <laughs> my defense is that my initial response, my initial thesis that I presented to you was for sure wrong. Um, I immediately Googled it and discovered I was wrong. <gasps> and then was like, I'm just going to fuck with him. And then you called me gay, so I didn't tell you. Huh. So wait. Take me back a step before I called you gay. Okay. Which was, you Googled it. Yeah, yeah. You saw that you were wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, and then I called you gay, and then you just didn't say and, it. Well, like, and then, like, you know, I was just like, all right, I'm going to fuck with him, because you were like, I'm not even going to Google that. I was like, perfect. And then I was like. Damn, that is the perfect crime. <laughs> that is the perfect murder. And you know what, Dan? You should have a little more mental respect for me after this, because I'm on it. I'm on this shit. I'm Googling. I, I do, honestly. I was like, wow, he's really just going to let me get away with that. Because, <laughs> like, my hope, there was one of these things. I'm sorry, that, i got to be careful. I've been throwing up in my mouth. You know how you were talking about how it's, like, psychotic the way I can play the long game? Yeah. Like. You're proud of me. Like, well, so, like, There's I was. a little page out of I was book. sitting there and, like, literally, dude, it was so effortless for me to just, like, you said that. And I was like, I have, as I was typing the first thing, I was like, I have no idea if this is correct. Damn, the word bottom's in it. I, what did you think was going on? I thought it was... You maniac? Like a reverse cowboy situation. Look, you are an out-of-touch conservative <laughs> who spends all day hoarding his guns... Relax. ...and For, not, I don't, looking not into social okay. issues, yes, such as me. a community claiming, reclaiming its uh, power sexually. I Oh, dude, I read one article. Like, all right, just relax, dude. All right, okay, all right. <clears throat> um, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan <laughs> Wait, wait, so my whole thing, I had the moment where I was, I was like, I was like, I had the split second that I always have. Like, is it weird for me to just, like, effortlessly just, like, say bullshit just to see what happens? And then I had the moment where I was like, ah, I should just tell him. And then I had the immediate following moment, which was, like, maybe, like, 20 episodes from now, Dan's going to casually refer to something as a power bottom on the podcast, and that'll be hilarious, because he won't know what he's talking about. And that, like, 
that is the Dan Endon long game right there. <laughs> yeah. Waiting, getting no satisfaction, waiting for me in the year 2050 to just be like, and that makes him a power bottom. And then I'm so proud of myself because Dan taught me what that means. And then that's the moment where Dan pulls the knife out. That's the moment when this fucking Judas Iscariot pulls his fucking blade out on me. 50 fucking years in the future. But no, you don't get this one, no, sir. No. All right. You Googled power bottom. You showed me. I didn't even need to do it. I knew what it was. <laughs> No, can I be honest? Let me do let me do let me do one piece of honesty before we move to the episode. Uh, okay. Truth, cards on the table. Okay. Very proud of you of saying that you were wrong. Thank you. On record. Okay. And not proud of you for what you were planning if this didn't happen. <laughs> At all. But Dude, that's life. You have to wonder. You don't know how many of these I have floating out there already. I, I know. That was honestly two seconds ago in this podcast, that thought went through my mind. I got really worried. <laughs> I was like, this is a dangerous game that you've opened up Dude, here. Dude, it's all about just, like, the long-term psychological game. You made me watch Spiral, dude. You got Jigsaw on the brain. Did I make you watch Spiral? Is that how you look back on <laughs> that one? The Book of Rotini. All right. Um, Maybe throw that at the end of the episode. Don't. I've, that's never happened for when the, you said that. For the that. peeps. All right. Listen. We're trying. I'm trying to run a tight ship here. No, that's fine. It, we, we needed this episode to be funny because I mean, <laughs> because the movie was, was also not. funny. Oh, you thought it was funny. Okay. It, um, I laughed a couple times. So, um, this this episode is going to be tough for me, dude. We have Hugh Jackman as a bald Buddhist Spanish conquistador. You're going <laughs> to tell me you didn't laugh one time. This is going to be a really problematic uh, episode for me, and in many ways, it's 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 sweet poetry that I opened up by slaying Dan Endon because mm-hmm. I really am going to hate. I feel like where where this episode in particular is going to go. For that reason, I want to push off the Fountain Review just a little bit more, and, <laughs> okay, and talk about um, my journey through Darren Aronofsky's filmography oh, yeah, over yeah. the past, uh, I would say, month since we. Departed. Um, I like to go on little quests for the podcast sometimes and really being up to date on how I feel about a director's work, but also through the podcast lens. Um, I want to say that there is something I've noticed that uh, has come up before and seems to come up again, um, which is like, yes, we score these movies and that has changed our view on watching movies in a way but part of that is like when you see a good movie for me now i enjoy it more than i used to i think i had gotten to a point with media before we started this podcast where i could watch like a best picture winner and be like you know fine Mm -hmm. and like a minute later go on with my life now it's like if i do see a legitimate film like if i see parasite Mm -hmm. which is not a movie i even really liked all that much (laughs) or like would fetishize or buy or anything but like just it feels like a gift to see actually like a movie yeah Yeah. you see a movie movie yeah Um, and that you're saying this is because of the podcast or because you watch nothing but star wars and marvel content i'm saying the podcast has really sharpened that tool so that like when something good actually comes my way Mm -hmm. or if i go back and and here's the other thing i'm constantly revisiting like my wife and i watched sphere Mm -hmm. two weeks ago 
with Dustin Hoffman and, mm-hmm. and Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have watched Sphere 500 times probably in my life for one reason or another. Terrible. I mean, I, I watched it. It is bargain bin awful. Sphere. Terrible. Oh, yeah. it's, it's awful. Um, I watched it during the pandemic. But like <laughs> the process of rewatching old movies that are also crap also hurts me as much as like watching a bad Disney or Marvel show sometimes. Mm. I'll go back and rewatch something and be like, wow, mm-hmm. like this was ill-advised for me to be so into. Um, mm. So I yeah, feel like that's just part of life, man. That's teeing up kind of where I'm going with this, which is like this could have gone anyway. Mm-hmm. For example, I haven't seen Requiem for a Dream in so long that it could have been terrible. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Requiem for a Dream? Um, so I haven't watched Requiem for a Dream in probably like ten years at this point. Oh. but I did see it a lot before then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a movie that what the first time I saw it. I was like very enthralled by it in the way that like a lot of those movies sure. when you're a kid. Now, do. pause for a second. Yeah. When you say those movies, let's let's be a little more clear because like we're talking Fight Club. Fight Club was the first thing I was going to Yeah. We're talking Clockwork um, Orange. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, like we're talking Like when my brain is getting literally molded sure. into the cynical person that I am as a child. And would you say that some of those movies yeah, yeah. have not held up? Oh yeah. Like happens. you go it back ha- and you rewatch the, it happens all the time. Right. Uh, it not, happens pretty, it's very, like, you're someone who, like, utilizes your uh, DVD and Blu-ray collection well. I have a metric fuck ton of DVDs and Blu-rays that I touch, I, they're in a closed cabinet, I open it, like, three times a year. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I do, it's, oh, it, it's something I probably haven't watched in 10, 15 years, and it's something that I like, liked enough to own. Right. Which, like, when I was of an age where I would consume media at the rate that you do still... Like, these were things that were very important to me at the time. Everything always felt very... Like, when I think about being a teenager, it's just everything felt very important. Like, everything I was consuming for the first time, everything I was getting into, all just felt like it mattered a lot. Whereas now, I'm just like, things are so disposable, you know? You know, that's a good sentiment to express for what I'm, what I'm about to go into here, because, like, I feel the same way in a, in a certain sense, but I have more the capacity for, like, wonder and, and excitement and... And yeah, I mean that blows up in my face these days, like nine out of ten times. Train spotting, train spotting's a comparison, also. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, um, Requiem is a movie that I definitely. I'm trying to think of a good example of one was, that like, was great. Last time I watched, I remember being like, I get why this is a good movie, but it's very right. long-winded. Would you imagine that if it, if any of these were going to be bad on rewatch, that Requiem's probably the one? Yeah. Because like. For me, I know that there's like MTV style editing in there. Yeah. I know yeah. that there's like ideas on what it was like to be a teen, which can be cringe yeah. uh, when and they come from the that 90s. Like, that like late 90s, like when they were starting to make like real serious movies, they were trying to start in ways, start shooting some of them like music videos. Do you remember this? Like Belly? Sure. You've seen Belly? Oh, of course. Like uh, that. that is a movie I haven't seen in over a decade, but I thought was very profound at a point. Right. Very. But the whole thing looks like a music video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like... Some of those music videos are not going to hold up. Yeah. And Requiem's sure. got some of that as well. Some of the sure. things are very like... Mm-hmm. This is more like... It, it's always that... We've talked about before like when we see a shot that it seems like the scene was grafted around crafted around building to that shot rather than the scene serving purpose itself. Sure. And I don't really like that. And I think that movie has a lot of that. There's also... Especially the Ellen Burst and stuff. That's all stuff that's like because it looks crazy but isn't fucking interesting. There's also... um. Like, 
with Requiem, a level of shock factor mm-hmm. that, you know, and beyond that, like the cast, like, what is it? Marlon Wayans? Yeah, yeah. And Jared Leto are yeah. like not people that now I want to see act. So like for You're me, right. I was like, yeah, this is going to be kind of a tough watch. And Jared Leto, talk about a dude who my opinion shifted so dramatically. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he was in Fight Club too, which is like kind of brings it all around. With his fucking platinum blonde hair. I don't know. They should like um, name a genre for this. I know they at one point named a genre for like Chuck Palahniuk's like writing buddies. It was like the Boys Club. Really? Something. There was some name for it. I think Brad Easton Ellis was a part of it. Like the frat pack, but for fucking. Yeah. Incel. Fucking. (laughs) Murder. Yeah. Um, All right. So. Requiem. Uh, I watched with Rachel. That's a tough watch, man. It's just like not an enjoyable movie. It's one of those movies where I'm like, it, it's not enjoy. It's not pleasurable to watch in any way. So like, why am I going to rewatch it? Sure. That too. These are all elements playing against this movie. Yeah. That being said, like, I think everyone should see Requiem, but I don't need sure. to watch Requiem again. Okay. And, and that plays with the shock factor. And that also plays into, uh, yeah, th- this might be a movie that most people would only want to see one time. And I consider but people myself love one it, dude. People. Still, people, but I don't know if those people have watched it recently or they just romanticize. Also, a question on the table. Yeah. Amazing motion picture. Destroyed me. Yeah. Like, it's not about. I mean, the, the editing, and I've gone back so many times, whether it's like from House on Haunted Hill to fucking 13 Ghosts, any movie that has MTV style editing. Yeah, that fast like, paced fucking. It, it obviously is going to be grading, but like th- this movie did it better than any other movie had ever done it. Yeah, well, this movie's made by a real filmmaker. It's still so immaculate, this movie. Really? I, I mean, I GGR'd these movies. Okay. And I wanted to adjust Should this Should I watch one. it? Oh, my God, yeah. Dude. I own it. Here's the thing about Requiem That's for the thing. Dream. See, I'm sitting here being like, it's fine, but I own it. Oh, me too. Ultimate take of Requiem for a Dream. Not about heroin. It's not about... In fact, I had misremembered. Most of the drug use in the movie is pretty ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Like, there is heroin use in it, intravenous. But a lot of the other shit is like pills and like... I, I, I remembered it being all heroin... Yeah, yeah. That's the plot. Heroin. Sort of like Spun is all meth. Yeah. Um, No, it's got some gray areas. And obviously, there are two plot lines that go wild in the fucking bank. And that's Jennifer Connelly's plot line. Yeah. And Ellen Burstyn's plot line. And the Ellen Burstyn one... I used to find incredible, but very detached. The Ellen Burson plotline is the primary reason I keep don't wa- rewatch the movie. I find it exhausting. That plotline elevates kind of everything around it because what he's trying to achieve, which I've now seen by rewatching his filmography um, in a lot of his movies, is a level of tension that is unbearable. Not like always violent, based like narrative based tension but like watching mickey rourke unravel at an acme deli counter right like things that are unbearable to witness but are happening every day around us that's like his new niche that he really has zeroed in on with like black swan and the wrestler things like that is like zooming in on honestly the most painful things you can imagine 
and just hammering them. Yeah. And obviously this upcoming movie, The Whale, is going to be that defined, which I is know. just like, that look, at a, a tough watch. look at a person dying, yeah. like, is going to be tough. But look at a person dying is actually pretty much the th thread in all of his movies. He does a lot of dealing with death and various like dark circumstances that enter around um, musing about death. Um, he's like very Jewish. So he's very you, death obsessed. Did you watch them like in order? No, mm, sort of. Yes. Did no, you, did I you, did. Did you skip pie? I skipped pie Word. because I just didn't have time. Okay. Like I wanted to do the, it's ones... the only one I can actually talk about. Well then that's perfect. You'll fill in the tapestry. Okay. Um, but Requiem for Dream, 9.75 out of 10. Really? Almost a perfect film. Wow. Can't even think of anything I'd do to it. The final 10, 15 minutes, and we're going to get into this again, obviously, with The Fountain, but the Kronos Quartet doing the soundtrack and the visuals and every character in their darkest moment all sharing the screen at the same time leaves you devastated by the end of that movie. That movie is a devastator, and that's why people don't want to revisit it. It's not because Jared Leto has his arm removed, which, like, is fucked up. It's not because, like, ass to ass, which is fucked up. Yeah. But it's because the feeling that Aronofsky slams into you at the end of that movie is, like, you pretty much want to leave the theater and kill yourself. <laughs> and that's the kind of movie that people don't always want to revisit. Yeah. And that's the kind of movie that people ego fail on all the time, like Crash, not... Cronenberg's crash, Haggis's crash, um, where it's like you you tried to do something here and it's just not okay. Like emotional manipulation to a degree that's not cool. And I thought maybe this movie was going to have that. So Requiem for a Dream is fucking incredible. And I hadn't seen it in many, many, many years. And I don't even think I liked it as much as I just liked it when I used to that's like it. That's what's making me interested in checking it out. Oh, it, li it lit me up. Like right. hardcore and Rachel too. We were just like, I mean, that's always Holy the shit. fun part, right? When you, right. I mean, that ha that's the flip side. That's what's always really fun when I pull something off the shelves and I'm like, oh, I didn't actually understand this movie when mm -hmm. I was a kid. This, I mean, like many of the Fight Club era movies, you see it when we're you're a teenager, and now that we're in our thirties, we're going to identify with all the other characters that we didn't before. Didn't you say on the podcast that you haven't watched Fight Club in a really long time? Yes, yeah, still, I'm holding that. As long as I possibly can. Dude, I watched it during the pandemic. Yeah. It fucking bangs. I'm sure it does. It is so good. I, I don't think there's that a movie single... movie does not age poorly at all. There's not a single David Fincher film besides Seven that ages poorly. Seven has some elements that, in the editing department, I'm not a tremendous fan of, but I think every other film of, him is, of his is timeless. Like mm. Zodiac, everything. I mean, it's all... Panic Room was never that great to begin with, but it is as I good like, as it's I, always I been. Like Panic Room. Yeah, great thriller, but yeah. the uh, CGI banisters and all that <laughs> fucking did not hold up well. I, if you watch that movie in Blu-ray, it's it's rough. Remember when for like two years, like every thriller was just like I'm stuck in a little area. Yeah, phone booth. Yeah, that movie's that movie's a top tier, one of the worst movies ever made. Phone booth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it sucks ass. I, I could never watch that movie. I again. saw it in if the you theater. picked phone booth, I would just like shut the podcast down. I saw it in the theater. Um, it's an unbearable movie. Yeah, it sucks. Speaking of unbearable movies... I hate Colin Farrell. Then I moved to The Fountain, which we're going to come back around to. Okay. I'm not going to accept the statement, I hate Colin Farrell. He's a goddamn world treasure. 
there are so many performances of his that are zero, zero, gorgeous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's Tom Farrell's so yeah, good. He's a great actor. Sometimes not good. I'll I'll give you that. Sometimes uh, in terrible no. movies being terrible. He's a great actor. Uh, he's great though. Um, Tigerland, shout out. Skip the Fountain. Uh, the next one I watched was The Wrestler. Yeah, Wrestler's which great. Was great, but not quite on the par with some of the other really films in his uh and here's the thing i guess i get it got to give the wrestler we the wrestler rewatch the thing about the wrestler was that i went and saw in theaters uh aronofsky had not made a movie since the fountain and i wasn't fully ready for his strip down phase Mm. even though that is where he's arguably made his signature and made his mark not even arguably like that's it for him Mm mm-hmm He's not this, like, Terrence Malick, the fountain filmmaker, right. that he tried to be. And if you watch Noah, Jesus Christ, is he trying to be that guy. I, there, I can't believe you watched Noah. I did not. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But I have seen it in 3D. Great. In in theaters. That's how to watch it, I guess. <laughs> it was. We'll get there. Um, okay. uh, but The Wrestler, I mean, Mickey Rourke, fantastic. Everything is great. It's just like so bare bones that like when you put it up against a movie like Requiem it's just not it's not quite as profound Mm. there is a middle road to that which is Black Swan Mm. which is like Black Swan is the middle section between hyper stylized Aronofsky and like broke down single camera the wrestler Aronofsky is like that's like a mix of both crazinesses. Um, I think I like The Wrestler a lot more than I liked Black Swan. Always like The Wrestler more than B- Black Swan. Um, the Wrestler, it's just a great character study. That's that's it. That's the movie. Great, great character study. Great performance. Evan Rachel Wood is very good in it. Um, just that's a fan not, of any movie. Evan that... Rachel Wood of the Daniel Radcliffe Weird Al movie fame. <laughs> that is Evan Rachel Wood of being <laughs> imprisoned and molested by Marilyn Manson fame. Oh yeah. Um you didn't watch that documentary? No. She made a documentary about it on HBO Max. Hard pass. Hard chilling to yeah, watch. And absolutely not. Yucky. <laughs> um I still think of her as the girl from thirteen. Add thirteen to the list of movies like that from that time. Yeah, that that one is probably a rough watch at this point. I can, yeah, I've thought about I've thought about doing it, but I don't want to because I don't want to be on that list. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, we're already there for cuties. I know. Um, the Wrestler, uh, a movie that unflinchingly portrays the horrors of working at Acme, <laughs> and for that it was Cat a, used to work at Acme. A great experience. Uh, Randy the Ram as played by Mickey Rourke, has the exact same tattoo in the exact same place as Boxer Santeros, the <laughs> Rock's character from Southland Hell Tales. yeah, I brother. cannot explain why. I don't know if Darren Aronofsky is friends with Richard Kelly. Dude. It is... I don't want to say identical. Not that any of our uh, listeners would actually do the research or care, but... I mean, Hugh Jackman was not without that tattoo in the fountain either. <laughs> it was identical, like same picture of Jesus, same place, crying as a fucking eyes out. But, Did you not see uh, Buddhist Hugh Jackman's tattoos in the fountain? Yes, the ones that he makes for his travels every year. Yeah, but some of them are not unlike that. 
I'm like Jesus weeping <laughs> on the rock. Um, 8.5 out of 10. Okay. Which, when I saw it, I would have said probably a 9 out of 10. Black Swan or the, fa- the wrestler? The wrestler. Okay. Um, Black Swan. All right. Watched it last night. Great. Wasn't looking forward to it. Yeah. Was in the middle of watching Noah. Okay. When Rachel got out of her final meeting and was like, let's watch something, and it's not whatever this movie is, as in Noah and... Yes, there was a giant CGI rock monster on the screen at the time. <laughs> I did not see Noah. Noah. Um, There's no world where I would watch that movie. Noah. Never in a million years could you get me to watch a Russell Crowe, Darren Aronofsky fucking Noah movie. No way. Um, Noah is. I don't. I, 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 let me get there in a second. <laughs> Andre said that's the movie that is the only good, interesting movie he made. Dan, you would be out of this movie in 30 seconds. <laughs> you could not make it to the title card of this movie. I guarantee you, you couldn't do it. Yeah. You would fall apart. Sounds terrible. Um, I can't watch Russell Crowe in a long movie. I can't. Dude, Master and Commander is the most exhausting movie I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen Master and Commander. It's so boring. That was what I thought was going to be the case. Okay. And I literally never saw it. It's like one of the biggest, weirdest gaps from like early 2000s, it's, huge spectacle movies I've never seen. Dude, there's like... And for that reason, that because big. I don't like... Uh, Russell Crowe doing Gladiator after Gladiator. He should have never fucking done anything like that ever again. He should have stayed in yeah. 1960s, mm. which like nice guy is maybe 70s. Yeah. Perfect for him. Yeah, yeah. 60s through present day. Never do anything where you wear sandals or have long hair ever again. Yeah. Making movies, making songs, just fighting around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had that song on the panel. Yeah. I've not used one uh, sample so far. Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah, I love it. That's good. Random button alert. Um, hated that. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Black Swan movie I saw in theaters. Movie I saw excited, but a little bit trepidatious for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. It's starring the two hottest Jews of all time, Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman, like licking each other's pussies and doing ballet. But um, I saw it in theaters and my takeaway was, and I saw it at the Philly, uh, Ritz by Penn's Landing and my feeling on it was this movie makes you want to throw up because it's so shaky that I was like maybe too close to the screen at the time. Right. I'm now realizing, um, this movie makes me want to vomit mm. and and confirmed it is like one of the shakiest cam shaky can movies at, of its time. Um, and I was like, I just don't th- I just don't think this worked. Like I didn't buy in on Natalie Portman's meltdown. I didn't buy in on the special effects in the movie. And I hate Mila Kunis. I don't think she could act her way out of a paper bag. And I just have no interest in seeing her in a movie. Dude, I, can, um, I can't see her on screen it now and Jupiter not, not like, do the fucking Mark Wahlberg accent. <laughs> <laughs> Say, I had Ashton Kutcher for me, all right? <laughs> um, it's bizarre because I've spent many years not hating this movie, but finding it aggressively average. Right. I've seen it one time in theaters. That was it. And I was like, I'm good. That was like worse than the wrestler that was like just a worse character study and it was kind of classless and just like bizarre and Mm. and weird and i did not like that very much i don't own it i never rewatched it no interest in ever rewatching it up until i kind of like forced myself to do it 
and then it became an Oscars darling mm -hmm. and people went bananas for it. Oh yeah. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like this is really stupid. And the bottom line there is I watched it and it's fucking really good. Like has some bad special effects in it still to this day that have aged worse. Super good movie. Really, really good. Also, Again, I've something I've said many times, chaos, really into it in movies, like controlled chaos. Yeah. Natalie Portman's fucking life in that movie goes absolutely haywire and I really liked it. She, I haven't seen it since it came out, but I liked it a lot. Good, cool. Yeah, I mean it's incredible. Like she has dermophilomania in it, she's like ripping at her skin, ripping her cuticles, she's like bipolar, she's like it's Yeah. As if they some, made that movie today, it would start Kristen Stewart. Anyway, Black Swan, um, a movie that asks Natalie Portman to lay into her most anal retentive Jewy qualities <laughs> and to great success. Jesus. Um, We're Jewish. Vincent Cassell, <laughs> really problematic dude, <laughs> just mm. in general, being super problematic in this movie. I feel like Darren Aronofsky always inserts himself into his movies as like the central character, and it's in this this movie very disturbing. Yeah. Um, Yar. Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman. One of them's really good in it. Both of them are. Mila really Kunis has never been good in a movie ever. Dude. She's Natalie Portman is she's great as Jackie in right. Seventy Show. Sure. And like not even the woman in any rom com. Sure. And that is the extent. She's good in forgetting Sarah Marshall, but it's still it's a that, person. That's the woman in the rom com. You're watching a person act, even in that movie. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. We're clearly watching Mila Kunis act. Yeah, she's a terrible actress. Natalie Portman though. Uh, unbelievable performance yeah of course in this movie delightful um, as always might be her best performance loved it so good <laughs> um i recently watched v for vendetta yeah terrible hate that movie so much i've always hated it i don't understand the that, appeal that's how i felt i fucking loved it dude I, really yeah i thought it was great had a great time now that i'm removed from <sighs> like having watched it right after reading the comics uh so that i had gripes about it now i'm just like this is great had a fantastic time watching it. Really loved it. My take on V for Vendetta, without having seen it in probably 18 years, is that I remember it being a movie about a, um oppressive future like 1984, but you never saw any of that. All you ever saw was like well-lit daytime shots, people like looking happy in houses. Um, you only ever saw um the guy who starred in 1984 like diatribing in tv clips yeah yeah but like he himself is not in the movie really other than the, those clips and it's really just like a guy in a mask doing like matrix karate <laughs> like utilizing every tool that the ninja turtles use to do crime and yeah yeah um, is just like everything that Alan Moore would ever hate. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It bangs. A V for Vendetta movie costing $100 million is just the kind of racket that V for Vendetta is about not being good. I just feel yeah. like its existence is not okay. I just am not okay with it. The fact that it is like either written by the Wachowskis. Bro, you watched fucking nine Star Wars shows this year. Just chill. There's been like four, okay. and one of them was really good. Good. I don't remember We're which talking one. Talking about ruining fucking properties. It's fine. It's just an entertaining movie. Alan Moore needs to be protected. Okay. He hates everyone. You who loves the Watchmen movie. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, love has faded a little bit. That's a movie that has not aged no, particularly that, great. That movie still sucks ass. No. That's a little too far. That's <laughs> a bridge too far. You like the show, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
The movie felt like it should have been made by Zack Snyder because it already seems like it is. Fair. And it is. <laughs> in fact, made by Zack Snyder. Um, so, um, Black Swan nailed it. Yeah. 9.5 out of 10. Wow. Almost a perfect movie. Wow. Really, yeah. really picks up the ball from the, like, giallo influences and doesn't overstay its welcome in that regard. Yeah. Like, it is a horror movie sometimes, and that's, like, very confusing for me. Because, like, it could have been just a character study yep. about a girl having a total meltdown. But they go pretty fucking far with body horror in it. Yeah. She's, like, sprouting feathers. <laughs> it's really disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. Really always disliked it. This was the biggest turnaround of the rewatch. Look at you. Shouting out the women. Shout it out. Ladies, stay strong. They bumped uglies. It was fantastic. <laughs> but I think it turned out to be in her head. Mm. Like most things in the film. Um, and that brings us on to um, the most toxic fucking movie I've ever seen in my life, which is called Mother. Never going to watch it again. Okay. As toxic as a movie can be. I hated it. I hate is too small of a word. Nice. For how I felt about Mother. Shout out first movie, past movie I saw. Oh. So Shout didn't have out. to didn't have to pay anyone for that, really. They, besides movie pass. Yeah, but they kept it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they made up their end of the bargain for a bit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's uh, how that rolled out. Um, I hate Mother. I'm not watching it. Pie I didn't have time for. Noah is a movie that I think the is... The fucking disrespect. Better? Pie. Why, you think you're too good for Pie? No, it's just like I'm watching these all with Rachel, and I remember Pie Pie's a big ask. A big ask for it's a little lady. so good, Dan. Oh, I know it is. I've always loved Pie. I'm a 10 on 10 on that one. It's like Clerks, but if it was good, you know? It's Black so and good. white and genius. I, I vividly remember the first time <laughs> I saw Pie. That was during that era, too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And man. Memento, right around the yeah, same time yeah, as Pie. Yeah, totally. I those watched two it on are the like, exact same fucking... I got the DVD from the same video store. Yep, those two are, like, intrinsically linked, yeah, I feel like. I probably watched them the same summer mm-hmm. when I was just devouring everything at the fucking video store. And it was right when, like, the internet started getting good. Right. So I'd be like, I'd watch a movie. I'd, I'd go out on a limb from Blockbuster. I'd go home. I'd research the movie. I'd see forums being like, what should I watch if I like this movie? And then you get a list of movies, and it was just like everything I rented crushed. Did you rewatch? Did you watch at that time? I know a lot of people did, but I don't know if you're one of them. Did you watch the movie City of Lost Children at that point? No. Oh, man. Jean-Pierre Jeanette movie is so good. Mm. It's like same aisle as you would see like fucked up trippy, cr- like yeah, head yeah. trip movies. Yeah. It would be like Memento. Yeah. Like, and, and that was God. always- if I showed you the poster of City of Lost Children, you'd be like, I've seen that DVD cover a hundred sure. fucking thousand I'm times. Sure. Um, and that brings us to Pi, uh, which I did not rewatch. And I've always thought was like kind of like Memento in the way that it's like a perfect fucking contraption. Yeah, um, it's so genius. Good. But without rewatching it, I can't GGR it or put it in into this uh, bracket. But I, I tried to do my homework, guys. Noah. Noah. I'm giving Pi a 9.5 out of 10. Okay, good. There we go. See, we're in the high nines here. High yeah. nines. Um, that brings us to the fountain. And this is the topic I'm trying to avoid this whole episode because okay. I don't know what Dan Enden thinks about the fountain. Right. The moratorium is very strong this episode for me. I w- and and we, should, we should say, we've had a, hi- a small history with the fountain throughout this podcast. It's, How so? It, it's come up. Has it? Many, many times. I need more scotch. And it was a 
uh, movie, it was one of the first times that you brought something up, and instead of like us then descending into fighting about it, I was like, oh, that movie's been on my list forever. I want to watch that movie very badly. Interesting. And then I went home and was like, I want to watch The Fountain, and Kat was like, I just watched The Fountain with my mom recently, and I was like... Oh, okay, so she's a fountain head. <laughs> Shout out Ayn Rand. Shout um, out. All right, people. But, yeah, so... Uh, we didn't watch it then, and then you brought it up again, I want to say, I don't know, sometime last year on the show, and I was like, I really want to watch. I only know this because I was listen, listening to a random episode recently, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, The Fountain. So it's been on my radar again. I was very, very you can hear on the podcast when you said that we're going to do The Fountain, I was thrilled. Oh, boy. I was very excited, and then mm. I got to go home and tell Kat, I was like, oh, we can watch The Fountain. She was like, great, I'd love to watch The Fountain. Mm. Oh, boy. Um. Anyway, I'm going to take a, a brief pause. To refill? To refill. To fill her up? And then either... Have an insightful... Yeah, so Dan's allowed to pause. An, an insightful conversation with... No, you told me we're not doing any more P-Bits. Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that was the best part of the podcast. I, it just... You don't want to drive a bit into the ground. Dude, the last time, though, when I left all your full P-Stream in, and it was like... 40 seconds of urination. I was like driving in my car <laughs> on 76. And there was just like the sound of your pissing for like a really Forever. long time. I know. And I was like, this is graphic. I hate this. <laughs> I like so I, mad when I heard that. <laughs> I could not believe, I was too. I, could I texted not you, right? did not edit that out. Uh, dude. That's for no one. I have run through a hundred fucking apps. What, your stream? It was so strong though. <laughs> yeah. I'm if he- anything, I'm the healthy. Opinion- I mean, like, it was strong enough that, like, I while I was listening to it, like, I gagged. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, thank you, Seagrams. <laughs> okay. And that brings us around to the um, soup du jour mm. of the day, if you will. God, I hate when you say that. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, that's a real God, that is the best scotch ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I was trying to tell you and you were like you're you're doing you know which is sensible because of course like a, a, a an older scotch should be smoother and better but like the bottle of 21 year I had was just like Dude, a lot more toxic you'll notice at no point did I do anything to imply quality I was only talking about taste characteristic I was whoa. saying it should be smoother whoa no point did I say it should be better um, the fountain. You frame me like I'm arguing, <laughs> but you're wrong all the time. <laughs> you're this constantly misrepresenting. Your you're constantly misrepresenting my shit. You had told me, yeah, yeah, face to face. Okay, blood brother to blood brother. That Southland Tales was the greatest movie of all time. That is what you said. No, I did not, dude. <laughs> God, you fuck. You know what? You know I'm what? in a process of slowly gaslighting the audience. That's the. <laughs> yeah, well, because none of them listened to the Southland Tales episode. <laughs> Damn. Self burn. Got him. Uh, got yourself. Some fucking um, nerds. Dorks. Um, The Fountain. Yeah. I'm going to give you my hyperbole up front. Okay. This might be the, the hill that I die on. Okay. This might be it. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how you feel about this movie at all. Yeah. I, I kind of glean that you did not enjoy it, but that is how you kind of sound when you're hiding anything from me. I'm I'm a bad secret keeper. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, you were you were leaking a little bit this time, but the moratorium is still solid. But I, I'll, I'll say this: uh, Clint Manzel, who did the soundtrack to this movie, and then it was performed by the Kronos the, Quartet. Hold on, the soundtrack to this movie, the score. Yeah, fucking bangs, bangs. Yeah, amazing. So 
uh, hyperbole one for like, me. I want to own it on vinyl. Hyperbole one for me. The Fountain, uh, Kronos Quartet score, original score, 10 out Head, of 10. 10. I mean, so good. moving beyond belief. I wrote <laughs> my novel listening to a variety of like Godspeed You Black Emperor-ish mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. adjacent music. Mm-hmm. This movie this movie soundtrack just on repeat Clint Manziel's score for Solaris and his score for this are two of the greatest film scores of all time, regardless of what you think of both of these negatively received experimental sci-fi movies. Was this movie negatively received? This movie has a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. Middle of the road. Middle of the road. Um, And here's the thing about this movie. Everybody saw Requiem in the film community was super jazzed on it. What's this director going to follow that up with? This is like his moment. Um, As many people would know, this movie was supposed to star uh, Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt basically didn't understand the script and bailed out, leaving the production in absolute chaos. They tried to get Russell Crowe to take the part. Russell Crowe couldn't do it. And so the film. I read a lot. I read a lot about the plagued pre-production of this film. Fascinating. Wild. I did a lot of research on this one day. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of research to do. But I deliberately avoided anything involving a critical response. So this movie is considered. I have integrity, damn it. This movie, I would say, is considered publicly like a failure. Okay. And it hurt Aronofsky's career a little bit. Mm. And some would even muse that... This movie needed to be longer. His stripping down to The Wrestler is a direct response to a movie like this. The Wrestler is really good, dude. Um, And that's how you can kind of track, especially when I did the rewatch, you can track his career from that point of view, which is like he was going super ambitious... With this, he wanted to go, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey ambitious, and whether it worked or didn't work isn't the point. The point is that it was received weirdly, and so he kind of dropped all the antics and was like, I'm actually a really good actor's director, and then leaned into He's like, bitch, I made pie. Quentin Tarantino kind of has done the same thing, especially with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and adjacently Jackie Brown, where he's like, he'll do something really stylized like Pulp Fiction, and then he'll be like, all right, I need to like relax it out a little yeah. bit, do a character piece, regroup. Um, it, it, it That's the the vibe that I get um, from The Wrestler, especially after The Fountain. I mean, you could not pick two in a vacuum if you showed somebody these two movies. Yeah. They would never in a million years assume that anybody had crossed over and worked It's a wild on, on contrast. Um, so... Yeah, it was supposed to be this epic $100 million beautiful production. It got shut down. Everybody got fired and sent home from Australia, I'm pretty sure. Um, And um, then it became like a production hell disaster. They recasted it with Hugh Jackman, which many people took a front to because Wolverine. Because because Wolverine, really? People didn't understand at the time Hugh Jackman's range, which is actually very broad and interesting and has like lots of strokes to it. The Prestige being one of them and this movie being one of them. The Prestige fucking rules. Um and Prisoners being another one. I would say if you want to see Hugh Jackman go to 10 out of 10 acting, it, those are the three movies you should investigate. Obviously Logan is one of his best acting performances, but as a movie, I wouldn't put it up there with the What is Logan? Is this an X-Men X-Men picture? Yeah, I mean it's the one that like got like insane critical praise. It was just like after he had made a ton of shitty x-men movies he was like now i'm gonna make like a fucking gritty r-rated 
like horror level violence, insane, like old man Logan story. That movie is a modern American classic. That movie, you could never see a single X-Men movie, watch that movie out in a vacuum, and it's a 9 or a 10 out of 10 for most people. It is objectively fantastic, regardless of your feelings about a man with metal claws. Um, the rest of the X-Men movies are terrible. <laughs> nice. Like on rewatch, they're all real bad. They have their, you know, moments and characters, but... And we did a whole series on that, Rachel and I, on this podcast. But yeah. Um, did you? Yeah, we did a, a side piece or Rachel's Review Corner that was all the X-Men movies during pandemic and released it at one point. Anyway. Um, really? What? Yeah, that was a podcast episode. Um, well, <laughs> one of the hundred that we're counting here. So um, hyperbole time. All right. The Fountain. Best soundtrack of all time. That's the first one for me. For me, <laughs> okay. I saw this movie in theaters and got rocked by this score, like, walked out of the movie and was like, I'm having trouble discerning what I thought about this movie versus how much I love the music in this movie. Like, it overwhelmed me mm. multiple times. Um, still to this day, I can put it on any time and enjoy it. It's just fascinating. Um, it's a string quartet, uh, and not a lot of percussion, but enough that it really gets primal and like ancient sounding at the times where it needs to be. Um, and it's the same quartet that did Requiem for a Dream, which I find to be an insanely droning score, but that's what he was going for. He was trying to really make you feel sick by the score. And that's like, honestly the goal of that entire movie. So uh, this was not that this was a totally original score. Whereas that one is based off of you're the classical music guy. Mm. What's Requiem based off of? They, they do the theme the entire time. You know, it's one classical music song. They do the whole time again and again and again. No? What, you're asking me for the musical term? No, the the actual song. It's oh, like, I have no idea. I don't like, remember what it sounds like. It's like some Mozart or Beethoven okay. song that they just drill uh, the, entire, I don't, I don't the entire soundtrack. Wish I could emulate it right now. It's not going to be good. Um... Uh, this movie's original soundtrack is amazing. 10 out of 10. Let's shift that over to the side. Okay. Um, the fountain, uh, what is the fountain? Fountain is a love story questionably, but I would describe it more as the search for not the fountain of youth, ironically, which is very bizarre that the movie is called the fountain because it's actually about the tree of life, which is really mixed messaging. If you're know anything about biblical studies anyway um it's about three people searching for the tree of life dude in three different I thought uh, about time that. periods i thought about that so many times did you really yes. yeah. constantly um, uh in three different times like periods. surely he's gonna get to the tree and discover it's actually the fountain of youth no um not <laughs> not true um no. just a better title than the tree yeah well well the original title was the last man which i think is Maybe better. I thought that what I read was that was the working title because he didn't want to reveal. It was the like real title. the real title morphed into the working title. Okay, eventually morphed into the fountain. Got from it. what I saw, but whatever, it doesn't make a difference. Um, and so, um, the movie is three different time periods, one of which is arguably fictional, but that's a different story. But three different time periods: fifteen hundreds, two thousand and five, and five hundred years in the future. Um, and it's basically telling one man's uh, struggle to come to terms with 
his lover's death and his own impending death. Um, two of those plot lines are connected, are the same person. One is Dr. Tom Creo, who is searching for a cure for his wife's tumor that is about to kill her. And he, in doing that, starts playing with the properties of a plant from, I think they said Guatemala, which is the plot also of the <laughs> earlier story the, in the, the 1500s. Yeah, where a conquistador is uh, in the name of Spain and for his lover, who is the queen, going to also find the same tree that is then sampled by Tommy Creo in the future. And then when Tommy Creo uh, off screen in between plot lines two and three, obviously discovers this cure for death and to extend his life permanently, he then takes to an organic spaceship and attempts to uh, restart a tree which was grown out of the the grave of his wife, who um, he encases it in a bubble. <laughs> See, I told you this movie's hilarious. <laughs> and flies it into space to the Nebula Shabalba, which is dying and in so will rejuvenate the tree of life that he has been snacking from that has been keeping him alive. Uh, assumedly, the seeds... And this is my own theory that he plants at his wife's grave are of not only the, of course, the tree and the bubble in the future, but are of the tree that the sample was taken from to cure Donovan's tumor, the monkey that he's been doing the experiments on. Yes, this movie sounds from its plot description like the biggest mess of all time. Yes, this is an example, much like Southland Tales and many other movies you watch on this podcast, where you could argue a director takes the biggest swing you could ever fucking take. Flowers of, grow out of a person in this picture as well. Oddly enough, yes. <laughs> um, that being said, a lot of people hate this movie. Uh, a lot of people have given this movie endless flack for any fucking complaint you could ever levy against it. I think this movie is a profound masterpiece. Near perfection, emotional, mental, existential explosion of a movie. I don't find it ambiguous. I fully understand everything that happened in it. There's no question in my mind about what the themes and ultimate purpose of this film is. I just am very confused, as I am many times in my life, about why people dislike certain movies um, or like them. And uh, I can say nothing more than that, that this is in my top 10 favorite films of all time. This is a classic for me that means like we we've had the argument before that movies like can mean something to you uh, and, and move you. And we've also had the discussion that that's sometimes not possible anymore. Um, and this is a movie that moves me every single time I watched it. I've probably watched it a hundred times. And um, it, it plays into the idea that I don't like romantic comedies, but I do like romantic movies that are handled seriously and are interesting, like Punch Drunk Love, things like that, that I've realized in, in the spread of this podcast when I'm always saying, I hate romantic comedies, I hate romantic comedies. That isn't because I'm some kind of curmudgeon. It's because I kind of like stuff like this 
I mean, the closest I'll go for a romantic yeah, you, you comedy. Like a good, it's, a rom- it's, a, it's a romantic drama. Yeah, this is a romantic drama. It's a sci-fi movie from its description, but in it, its heart is a romantic yeah, drama. Yeah, it's and, for sure, above all else, a romantic drama. And also a rumination on uh, cancer and death. And Darren Aronofsky's parents were dying of cancer while he wrote and made this movie. Um, and... You really feel that. It's a really tough movie to watch for me. Not that I have any experience with people in my direct sphere dying of cancer, but I resonate so emotionally with this movie. It, it like lights me on fire. It's really, truly one of the greatest films of all time. And its malignment is only a product of how fucking shallow people can be about uh, movies in general and what they expect from them. And, uh, you know what? The one thing I always had in my mind with this movie is what if he got to make, that's what everyone always says as a knock against it. What if he got to make the original one? What, first of all, Brad Pitt pass on him being the lead character of this movie. For yeah. Me. Agreed. Um, Kate Blanchett, that would have been pretty interesting. I mean, she's mm. fantastic. I, I would have liked to have seen that, but Rachel Vice is no slouch. No. She's a fucking great actress. And is very, very good in this movie. And um, people always said, what if he did the original? So you know what? I downloaded because when I was younger, I couldn't get a hold of this fucking thing. I downloaded the graphic novel of the original script that everyone goes on and on and on about that fixes everything. And I've read reviews that are like, if only it would have done what the comic did. Like I read this comic, Dan. It is fucking identical to the movie The Fountain. Really? It has... Now, from a design perspective, it's painted. It's a fully painted comic, which is cool. It's gorgeous. It doesn't look like the movie because there was no stills to work off of. This was before, after the first movie had been shut down, before the second one had been made. Um, it's the same thing, but has one battle in it, mm. which was totally unnecessary to begin with. Mm. Um, and now I know. Now I finally can say after all these years that... It would have been so inconsequential. The Every idea, half the dialogue, it's all right there. I reread this thing and was like, this is a beat for beat of the movie. And then watched the movie next the next day and was like, that was exactly the same as the comic book. It is so close. Interesting. The two of them, which I found very interesting and bizarre. And that leads us finally to opening up the discussion to Mr. Dan Enden, who will now either confirm my worst fears or get another rise out of me like, be my cat. Everything's on the line for your boy here. I don't I don't like that sort of pressure. <laughs> well, that's the thing with this season of me picking one, you picking one, is like, if we're not picking bad movies, like, there's a lot vested. I mean, when can you say that we've brought a movie to the podcast that one of us is like, this is one of the top ten movies of all time? No, never. When has that ever happened? Well, I'm, Clockwork Orange. I'm go- yeah, I'm going to need to be more serious about my picks moving forward. Or not. So I can put myself out there a little bit more and get well, more emotionally risky. We'll see. I mean, this is tough because, like, it just so happened that you had said multiple times that I've never seen The Fountain. It's on my list. Yeah, yeah. If not for that, I would have never in this season been and, like, you know, let's watch The Fountain. It, you know, it's very rare that I bring up a movie and Kat's like, oh, I love that movie. We should watch that. You yeah, know? very rare. Yeah. So she likes that. She likes The Fountain. Yeah, yeah. She loves it. Loves it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that brings us to Dan Ended. Um, so I, uh, I did a little bit of a, of a little bit here that I didn't tell you about, which is that in something that I have not done since season one, 
Oh my god, hold on. I'm having a heart attack. I wrote a full review of this picture. Oh, no. But I, 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 I am so concerned. As, as an exercise, I did so in the. Uh, I was inspired by everyone doing all this AI art of doing uh, some things in the style of other artists. So I wrote a uh, a review in the style of one Dan Lyons. Is this going to start with three separate words, comment? Um, no, it doesn't start with it. Then that's not, you're not doing it right. All right. Because that's how Dan does it. It ends with it. Oh, damn it. I was really hoping no one noticed that either. Anyway, go ahead, Dan. (laughs) This is, (laughs) I hate this. All right. Would you want me to do this? (laughs) I mean, it would would just you being like, I felt nothing. It was fine. Seven out of (laughs) ten. Well, if you'll remember, we did have an idea once where we were going to do. I know, I remember. The Freaky Friday episode where I was going to be you and you were going to be me. I know. I thought about um, trying to like steamroll this whole thing from you from Jump Street and like just doing that. Just totally catching you off guard and doing that and then, doing a me and then giving a review of the movie before you even knew what hit you but then we smoked that joint and i was like nah so true yeah Dan, right. kick it off all right um darren arnofsky's the fountain overly sentimental yet naive in thematics incredibly one-dimensional characters with truly cringeworthy and misguided spotlighted dialogue and cliches salvaged only by the strengths of it, its lead actors less a narrative drama more an impressionist fever dream by a film student picking up a metaphysics minor after watching I Heart Huckabees, The Fountain is a clear case of a writer bat- biting off more than it can chew uh, with the scope of his vision. Classic, this is deep bro vibes, but not fleshed out nearly enough to actually be so, and when it isn't slyly reminding you that it's towing the line of pretense, it is gleefully and exhaustingly leaping back and forth across it like Terrence Malick on Molly with less allegorical talent. Nonetheless, Fantastic performances, amazing if not sometimes shoehorned cinematography, impressive visuals, and a satisfying, albeit unevenly so, ending. Somewhere in here is a great movie, but its presentation is needlessly repetitious and egregiously self-important. There's clearly a purpose for all of it, much of which I assume was lost from the studio's cuts, but its purposely unclear, unresolved narrative structure caused a fair amount of it to feel very slapdash and lacking in important threads under the guise of purposeful vagueness. A bloated, exhausting, and heavy-handed experience. Southland Tales with ASMR instead of the N-word. 6.5 out of 10. Hated that. (laughs) Dude, Southland Tales with ASMR instead of the N-word is the best sentence I ever wrote. Listen. (laughs) I don't understand, resonate, or vibe with a single thing you just said. (laughs) Everything you just said I consider to be categorically false. Okay. And wrongheaded. Even the ASMR instead of the N-word? Where was the ASMR? Just people talking quietly? No, the constant whispering against the hair on her Fashion. neck. And whispering on the hair of the, the tree's neck. Just constantly whispering against neck hairs this whole movie. Mm-hmm. So much of this dialogue was whispered. What do you mean, where is the ASMR? That's like watching the goddamn Cronenberg picture and be like, no one was crouching. This is going to be a big divide. So 6.5. <laughs> now, th- what you said is what 50% of critics said on Rotten Tomatoes for sure okay like word for word nice in, in some cases that's generally how your reviews are so generally my, review, no, I'm my reviews I'm are what the opposite of that you're <laughs> no, saying are totally in line with Rotten Tomatoes reviews that's not even possible anymore <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> um no yeah this is this is uh one of the like most misunderstood movies ever for me in terms of the disparity between its reviews and its existence as a film, for that reason, 
and I'm going to bring up some comparisons. Now, usually in the podcast, what we do is we look at our scores okay. to compare. But I'm going to take a page out of a podcast that I'm deeply going to trash as a cold open next uh, episode. But okay. these are s- compared uh, statistics between The Fountain and movies that we've done on this podcast, <laughs> but on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, okay. The Fountain was scored at 52%, okay. which is less than... Is that the audience or the critical rating? Critical rating. Okay. Audience rating is not a thing for me. Okay. That does not... That's not real. Okay. That's not a number. Okay. That's an idiot's number. As opposed to the critical rating. Those are all idiots, too. But if you have to trust either idiot on an island... For example... <laughs> you, no, for put, example, put I'm pointing fi- at you. Put that figure down. Put that thing away. You crash on an island. Put it away. You Okay, you crash on an island. And the only other person on that island is the fattest, most retarded person you'd see at Walmart (laughs) who shops at Redbox for their movies and reviews them and reviews them on Rotten Tomatoes next to a guy named Josh a a guy named Josh Hurwitz who MTV hires to shill and interview people like Denis Villeneuve (laughs) and on that island is the mythical creature from Lost and he's like you, Dan Enden, must choose who reviews this movie. And if the review is accurate, I will not kill you. Which person are you going to choose? The, the latter. Who yourself, you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> then the non-Walmart. Attendee. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. that's why I don't do audience score. Those are the people I picture when it's like you go to Transformers 2 and it's like 89% audience score. I don't play that game. But also the people who are taking the time to audience score are probably a fair percentage of them are closer to you in terms of physical makeup. And and that's a toxic person. All right, no arguments. See? Yeah, all right. See what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely even go with the critical review. Even if they're all people like me and you, yeah, that's he, super dangerous. Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> so the fountain, <laughs> the fountain, critical reviews, worse than... Worse than okay. Pet Cemetery remake. No, no, no. That was no. <laughs> <laughs> not by a single. There's not even a single thing that I could say right. happened in that that's worse than the equivalent part. Because what that. I'm going to try to prove to you first. <laughs> I mean, here. there were no. There was the fountain. To be fair, had less terrible accents by John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. It did have terrible accents by Rachel Weisz and fucking Hugh Jackman. <laughs> You, are you kidding me, dude? Hugh Jackman's that's conquistador the, accent, accent is insane. Oh, that's just a little gruffer than his normal accent. Dude, He no. was like this. Because his American accent is already not great, and then he's doing a Spanish accent as an American. I, it's psychotic. I grew up with Hugh Jackman's American accent. Okay. And when I see him do anything but that, that's the freak show. It, it's like when people- Like watch- when he's in The Prestige, and he's like, it was not an illusion. Right. I'm like, no, sir. Yeah. You are Wolverine. You smoke cigars, you have dude, metal claws for hands. It's like the main dude from The Wire. People don't realize he's a British actor. And I'm like, how? Nobody talks like that on the planet. He's like, my name's Lieutenant Daniels. Jay and Silent Bob reboot higher RT than this. Uh, Ca- no. Causing a pause. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Sonic the Hedgehog was awesome. What? Look at my was sc- that your for real score on that? Look at my score for Sonic the Hedgehog. What is it? <laughs> Where is it? I swear to God, if it's over a fucking seven. Seven. Okay, see, we're 
We're on the same page right now. Yeah. Seven is the most you can give Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, and I legally. Gave this, I gave this a six point five. Legally in Pennsylvania, that's the age of consent for Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Are we going to do the second one? No. Okay. No. Cool. No. Good. That's a great idea. Yeah. Cool. I'd prefer not to. Keep going. Cuties. No. Cuties has a higher RT. No. Cuties had like an 80%. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. This is why like critics is all, is equally bullshit because it's all skewed by fucking like virtue signaling, li- signu- signaling liberals. What you have to do. This is the this is for me the, the dismantling of Dude, the Dude, Cuties sucked ass and was weird. The dismantling of the Rotten Tomatoes argument in a, in a very brief very brief sentence or paragraph I would say is just the argument for Rotten Tomatoes is always like what you just said and for me it's always been ignore the number and read the read fucking the, yeah. reviews because it's not even that dude it's like you can't aggregate something like that in my opinion like it's because like, the aggregate it's is like, super subjective per article right and like film review when you have film reviewers that you like like everyone has film i'm well, not everyone but like when you give a shit about film reviews you have your guys that like you trust their reviews because you jive with them like people have there are reviewers who simp shit all the time that you are going to hate. So like, I'll say to this say too. just like, yeah, of course, fifty percent of people love this and fifty percent <coughs> of people didn't. It's an incredibly polarizing movie. Like, I sure. get, I get why. Yeah. So like, when I see like, if you were like, what would you expect it to be on Rotten Tomatoes? I'd be like 50 50 But like, yeah, I mean, where they choose to call a fresh is like at pretty much a D plus. So like, if you went like into our scoreboard and looked at 6.5s. Yeah. Those are not movies I would recommend to people. <laughs> Mostly any of them. Let's and they would, they would be positive on Rotten Let's Tomatoes. Let's see, 6.5, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Horrible! Um, Midsommar. Um, amazing masterpiece. <laughs> um, I gave... We're going to skip that one. Uh, Fanatic. I gave a 6.5. Look, yeah, I mean... You gave a 6.9. That movie was 6.9. You gave The Last Duel a 6.5. That movie was probably... You gave Moonfall a 6.5, Dan. One of the funniest comedies of all time. Moonfall ruled. But not intended. Okay. All right. Let's let's move on. Um, Fast Five. It Chapter 2. This was not worse than It Chapter 2. Detective Pikachu... Uh, not, no, that was terrible also. <laughs> Tenet. Uh, huh. <laughs> uh, if I, hmm. You ready? You ready for the real bar I don't burner? know, I really didn't like Tenet. You ready for I the real I think this bar is burner? about in the Tenet world for me. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My complaints with them are the, exactly the same. I hear you. I find, I find so many of the statements you said fraught, though. I mean, most of them for me is like, I, I do feel the emotion of both their characters very deeply, and that must be a result of me having a much earlier connection to this movie. Like I said, this is the hill I will die on, is this one. Like, in in a way, this will be like the most unfair score I've do ever Do you think if you saw it for the first time today, you would feel that way? Impossible to say how that would feel, because I've seen it so many times. Right. It, just impossible. It's like me with little Nikki. Let me think about it seeing the fountain for the first time and do i know that it's darren aronofsky sure i knew it was darren on dude be me i was excited to see it i like darren aronofsky (sighs) and i it started with a fantastic score and starts with a bald hugh jackman meditating in a bubble Mm -hmm. it's a big ask to start with love all that anyway uh the smash conquistador aspect of it is a, the biggest ask child's play remake 
Child's Play remake was way better than this. <laughs> I loved the Child's Play. We both really liked the Child's Play remake, this is I think. in my top ten movies of all time. Child's Play remake. Of all time. You gave an eight. This movie that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Is top ten of all time. Is a top ten of all time. That's really odd to me. Interesting. It's really odd to me to hear negative criticism of it. Like, I, when I was watching it, I was like, here are the sci-fi ideas that I get why Dan would like. And Those here, are barely even what I like. And here are... My favorite plot Here is line, a separate movie that I find incredibly interesting. Why are these two movies one movie? My favorite plot line to watch is the Conquistador one, because it's gorgeous. That is shot. insane. And my favorite... Yeah, what's up, Rachel? Are you doing a joint sign right now? You're doing a joint sign with your hand. You want to smoke weed? Because yes. what? It smelled like weed up there? No, I just look where I go. Like you, like you don't have like any tools up there? Oh, I took them all down here. I'm not embarrassing You're embarrassing you. yourself. I'm going to cut all of this. <laughs> That's a cool sweatshirt. Is that the one you're getting my mom? Yeah. That is a cool sweatshirt. You want to puff puff on what? Yeah. This? Yes. Please cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Yeah, I, I will cut it as if, as I have cut all the other ones that you have asked me. So not, not at all. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Yeah, I caught by accident. Dan peeing a whole pee from by accident. Literally, you hear me go, Yo, pause it. Yeah, but I didn't, I wasn't editing. I wasn't sometimes with episodes, I want to try to enjoy them. So I only perfunctorily go through them and then I publish them and then I enjoy them. And this was one where I just happened to do that and risk it and not listen to every fucking second of it. And Dan did a big pee pee and it was really graphic. I literally came back and was like, Cut that. I want to apologize to. Like, literally all of our listeners for ever having to deal with that. That was... So the, unprofessional. The most unprofessional thing I've ever done. And I, this is coming from someone who is yeah, inches d- d- from Dan literally plays Steam Deck at his work all day. I do not. <laughs> we never take that out of the house, ever. Love what? this banter. I am late. Can I take this? No. Where are you going? I'm not going to... Wait, where, where are you going again? I'll cut this part. I'm going to bananas. Oh, okay. Shit, what are you going to do about a weed pen? I'm sure it'll Okay, yeah, smoke nice. that weed. Be nice. Okay. Love you. Well, I'm coming empty-handed except for weed, but... You're bringing an eggplant parmesan. Okay, all right. That's perfectly Bye. fine. Bye. It's from the Italian market. Okay, cool. Delicious. Love you. Uh, favorite plotline is the Spanish Conquistadors, A, to watch because it's breathtaking, violent, brutal, interesting to me, iconic looking, the set dressing's amazing, the costumes are fucking immaculate. The dread is full on. Love that plot line from a pure audience perspective. Didn't need a fight in it. Didn't need the battle that was cut from the comic book. Did not matter. Tom and Izzy is like my second favorite because that's where the emotional resonance of the love story comes in that I find very mature, deep, relatable, human, amazing. You see a filmmaker dealing with death. Yeah, that was the interesting plot line to me. You see a movie that pitches that um, Izzy, a woman dying of cancer, needs to accept her death. And the red herring of that is that truly the movie is about Tom Creo's accepting of his own death, but also her death. um, Because she's fine with it. And that is an interesting beat for a character I find their dynamic of him being this kind of like Cronenbergian character doctor 
who like does surgery on monkeys and is is experimenting with um extending human life to infinite proportions and um trying to save his wife in the process to be hokey prima facie but in its execution super mature and super upsetting when you say it's draining it's exhausting i do feel that Dude, that this, is something this movie that I has feel, more endings than fucking lord of the rings i do feel as if it is that way because it is a rumination on such dark topics and now watching all of his other movies they all have that aspect in one way or another where it's just like jesus christ like this is a lot and for the other movies it's purely emotional for this movie it's conceptual and emotional and what you said which is so interesting to like explore the mind of somebody who's so wrong about the fountain my car yeah go ahead you're good love you but like that was a bad one rach like just take my keys like take my car Rachel's review corner, everyone. Canceled. Three out of ten. Um. Yeah, that derailed me pretty bad. Um. <laughs> Someone's getting a little hard and fast with the rules. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then the future plot line. Um, I understand a few things about it in terms of like, okay, a I think the special effects from a visual point of view are incredible. They did those special effects practically, which is bananas with a little bit of, you know, CGI compositing for putting the bubble on the backgrounds, etc. But all of the space scenes and uh, the moment where Hugh Jackman like dissolves into a thousand pieces on top of the bubble ship are all done with like macro photography, which is very cool. Yeah, very cool. And looks very cool. And... It is not a case where any of the sci-fi elements overwhelms me and made me not objectively like it or not, because I have a deep emotional connection with it. Like I said, I don't know anybody, didn't have a girlfriend die, you know, haven't, thank God, been in any of those situations. But for some reason, it just like, just devastates me every time all over again. It was 28 minutes into this watch where I was shedding my first tear recorded it for posterity this movie is flawless for me i don't see any problem with it narratively i understand why each story is being told the connections therein i think are very fascinating even though loose um at times with their connection to each other but that's darren baby sometimes you watch the black swan and at the end of that movie like they reveal that like the last third of the movie wasn't happening. Right. Um, sometimes Don't care for that either. you watch mother and that is a surrealist nightmare. And then sometimes you watch Requiem and the game show host comes through the screen, starts dancing around Ellen Burstein. She's like, has a double of herself. Who's also antagonizing her at the same time. That's where Darren likes to go sometimes. And this movie's the hardest lean into that. I appreciate the swing full on more than like, when I accuse you of like, oh, you're like batting for Southland Tales or, oh, you're batting for Speed Racer when like we all know that isn't even that good of a movie. Um, <laughs> it's an audio medium, but Dan is making a series of faces right now. <laughs> Speed Racer is a fantastic movie. And um, this is not one of those cases. This I'm telling you up front. I'm, I'm 
This is me bare ass. So like I'm bare ass and have, spread wide open. I am the power an, bottom. I have become the power bottom of this episode. We're always the power bottom. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> we're not doing that. Do this I, I will cut. Do uh Why should someone be gay? Do you have no critiques of this movie? Like there you have nothing negative to say about this movie. Let me think for a minute. This is ten out of ten perfection, Kubrickian. No. Maybe. I'm going to give this movie a 9.75 out of 10. Okay. Nothing bad. Like, you have no critiques. You don't think the fades in this movie are terrible? Never even noticed a fade in, in the movie. Except there for the fade is no away. less than 75 fades in this movie. Not wasn't interested in that, I guess. It is bananas. It looks terrible. I thought it looked great. It's so dated. Interesting. Dude, how did you not notice the fades? There's a fade every 17 seconds. So That's why the narrative fucking falls apart for me because it's just constant fades. There's no continuity between them fades. until the last stretch. See, I see so many different things about it that I think are so impressive. I just don't. Oh it God. never entered my mind once. I can't even think of one example of it. That's so Other wild. than Izzy like falling down and it fading to white at one point. But other than that, wasn't. Oh, it looks like shit. Never have picked it apart at that level. I think it looks gorgeous. Um, I think all three plot lines have amazing visual flourish. And this is just an absolute gem of an experience for someone who maybe feels like they like, like mixing theologies, ancient concepts, death, life, rebirth. It's like Eastern nonsense mix. It's like the matrix. If it had no karate or sunglasses, it's just a fascinating movie for me, and I think it's just gorgeous, and everyone's acting is spot on. Don't want Brad Pitt in this movie. Definitely don't want Brad Pitt in this movie. <laughs> uh, there was, there's a nice self-flagellation shot to start off the uh, Conquistador plotline, and it got me really thinking that, like, this was, like, a moment in time where, like, self-flagellation was a big thing in the zeitgeist. It was, like, right, it was, like Da Vinci Code came out, and he was like, we need a self-flagellation scene. Never seen Da Vinci Code. You never read it? Neither. Interesting. No interest in it, man. That's for Goyim. The movie <laughs> is for sure for Goyim. That's for fucking... And the book as well is for Goyim. <laughs> That's for fucking Goyim lovers. That's what we call them. <laughs> Goddamn Goyim lovers. I am. I love one. I ain't divorce crazy. <laughs> like... I think I'm only doing random buttons from now on. Is that not what you've been doing? No, some of them are very calculated. Dude. You think I'm going to drop a, why are you gay on like a Holocaust story? You Yes. What are you talking about? <laughs> Have you listened to the podcast since you got the soundboard? It's chaos. You mean genius, just like this movie, <laughs> baby. Dude, um, uh, wow, Dan hated this movie. I mean, like... 6.5. I didn't hate it, because I gave it this a 6.5. The, like, this is like... Look at my other 6.5. I didn't hate it. Like, <sighs> Dude, it's just like, this movie felt like it's for me. I went into it. Like, the last thing I wanted was to come into this episode to be like, I really didn't like this movie that I know you love that I've been really excited to watch forever. That's dope. But I also knew you were going to do this. And honestly, if you would have enjoyed it, worse episode. You know what I mean? Like... You know, when you liked Be My Cat, we were like, hell yeah, brothers. Yeah. And then that got, you know. Yeah, yeah. Went, and then we're went. like, well, that one now. But I. <laughs> <laughs> well, what now? But I, dude, I I, yeah. I mean, there's also the aspect of like, 
it's disappointing to be that excited for a movie. Yeah. Because, like, I kept having the, like, okay, surely this is going to wrap up in a way that thrills me. And then instead it wraps up with, like, flowers growing out of him and, like, him, like, sucking jizz out of a tree. Like, I was just like, dude, what is happening? It was all very sensible what was happening it, 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 it really there was a striking amount of similarities between this movie and southland tales and th- if you think otherwise you are off base <laughs> that's a that's such a fraudulent statement dude it is i would give you similar. this that if you said it was like midsummer i would almost give you props but but like Southland Tales, dude. I also South- gave Midsommar a six point five. Southland Tales was literally that's my score a for a movie that Dookie turd. Six point five is my score for a movie where I'm like, this is a very skilled person using a lot of tricks that I think are great to look at, and I hate the movie. That's sad for I know. me. And dude, the score, is... dude, the score. I fucking love that score. It was so good. It's incredible. But like, I don't want to leave a two plus hour movie being like, well, I love the score. And that's all. <sighs> Fuck you, dude. That's okay. I'll bring in something that I, I... There's never been a time where I've brought forth a movie that I love that you haven't fucking despised it, so I'm sure that'll <laughs> so, happen soon. That's so fucking true, though. So join us next Join week. us next week for <laughs> the whole nine yards. Uh, a, a 14 times delayed episode that... <laughs> Surely will not at all be anything like Dan's. Oh wait, soup du jour. Oh my god, dude! What? We can't end the episode. Why? Because I have a bit. <laughs> Guys, Dan ending in a hundred episodes. Never did a goddamn bit. This episode we have two bits. The first one, probably the worst bit he's ever done. He was so wrong. <laughs> You've never heard somebody so wrong. Nobody's wrong like this guy. I'm handing Dan's, I opened a top uh, secret is, envelope. I'm handing Dan a slip of paper. The thing said top secret on it. All right. <clears throat> I can't believe you didn't put this under my chair though. That would have been okay. the move. Well, you had it. Don't No, don't ruin that. That's that's part yeah. of the mystique. All right. All right. So, okay. Start from that side. Don't say anything. If you're still listening to this episode, it's massively long. I'm not reading it yet. Right. Uh, if you're still listening to this episode, this is probably going to be the best part. I handed Dan. Dan handed me a piece of paper. A document. <laughs> all right. So, um, Dan, explain yourself, please. All right. So we didn't even get to go into it. I figured it would come up for the Jeopardy segment, but it's been a long episode. And should this should this be a side piece? No, no, because it's about right, the fountain. Okay, fair. Um, there's been a lot of ha he hawing and debate going on about AI art lately, and I don't even. I'm not doing it. I'm not getting into it the way I wanted to. I have feelings. I'm sure it'll come up. By the way, but, uh, shout out to Nick Lopretzi for doing AI art for this episode um, of Wolverine standing in a fountain. Is that what's happening? Yeah. For real? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is perfect for what we're about to do here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, today's <laughs> game is... Yeah. Uh, yes. I put the prompt of this episode into an AI chatbot, the AI chatbot that everyone's been fucking with. Um, the prompt of what episode? So, like, basically I asked the AI chatbot to generate an episode of the Movie Blues podcast, and I gave it some prompting based on how I thought this episode would go. Well, this is going to be accurate. I'm scared now. So, what we have here is a script that the AI chatbot's 
uh, squirt out for us. Okay, we're gonna go back and forth here. Yeah. So what? Am what? I playing you though? No, you're pay playing you. Should this finally be the time no, no, no. that we do the Freaky Friday switch, and I play you? No, not this time because this is carefully coordinated. Okay, go ahead. Um. So, um, you're uh. So I played with this thing for a while. At first, I literally wrote like generate an episode of the Movie Blues podcast with the two hosts Dan and Dan discussing the fountain. That was where I started, and it was fascinating how fucking it literally picked one of us to like it and the other one not to like it and the critiques were very on brand it was very odd <laughs> so i got i got increasingly and increasingly specific with the prompting and this was like a three-hour process so um it's bolded you're gonna play the part of yourself i'm gonna play the part of myself as well as the narrator so anything italicize that's stage direction you understand you understand okay Remember that song no you understand it was like a Trick Daddy song. All right, here we go. Trick Dude. <laughs> I'm so glad he finally came up in this episode. All right, so... Shout, uh, out, shout out Trick Dude. It even knew to start with you. <laughs> Is it all just me then, and you do one sentence? No, no. So you're going to be you. If it's bolded, it's you. You understand? All right. All right. Just be, play it natural. Okay, get, right. get, get into the headspace of playing One Day in Lions, hosting a podcast about the fountain. Hello, and welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons, and with me today is Dan Enden. Today, we are going to be discussing the 2006 film, The Fountain. Hi, Dan. Um, I have to say, I was really looking forward to talking about this movie, but I have to say, I was really disappointed with it. What are you talking about? The Fountain is an incredible film, as good as Thor Ragnarok, if not better. Come on, Dan. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Come on, Dan. You you can't be serious. The the fountain is a convoluted mess. It's hard to follow, and it does not make any sense. I can't believe you just said that. The fountain is a beautifully allegorical film. It's, yeah, it's, we did some of that. Full of deep meaning, and sim I did a lot of that. Symbolism. It is a masterpiece. I'm pretty sure I said that as well. It is. The visuals were stunning. They were. And the story was incredibly thought-provoking. I, I'm sorry, Dan. I just, I don't see it. I think you're letting your admiration for director Aaron Arnofsky cloud your judgment. I found The Fountain to be pretentious, convoluted, and terrible. The story was convoluted, it made no sense, and the visuals were just distractingly flashy. Can, I could not stand can it. We can we take a pause here? Okay. How is this any different than the first thing you did in this episode? The first thing was just you trashing the fountain in me and right. this is just that again so, but written by a machine but <laughs> this is that's what, very dark this is what's crazy <laughs> because i wrote the other thing a week ago <laughs> they're identical keep going god i hate this <laughs> <sighs> stay in character dan how uh -huh. can you say that line that's it i've had enough of your insults. no what you what? went no how can you say that this film is a, i thought i already said this nope how can you say that this film is a masterpiece you're just too narrow-minded to appreciate it i honestly had to hold myself from saying that to you in this review stop breaking you're a disgrace to cinephiles everywhere dan oh i'm narrow-minded you're the one who can't see past your own pretentiousness that's it i've had enough of your insults you don't know what you're talking about if that's how you feel, then maybe we shouldn't even be friends anymore. Dan Lyons flips the podcasting desk and storms out of the studio, slamming the door behind him. The second Dan sits in stunned silence for a moment before shaking his head and continuing the podcast alone. You would never, you would never continue the podcast. Stop alone. breaking the stri script, Dan. Goddamn. It's part of the bit. 
Well, uh, I guess that's the end of the Movie Blues podcast, he says sadly. Thanks for listening, folks. I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Suddenly, Dan Lyons returns, enraged, and begins yelling at the second Dan. He calls him names and insults his intelligence, and their (laughs) argument becomes more and more heated. Just when it seems like the two of them are about to come to blows, Dan Lyons suddenly rips off his mask to reveal he is actually Darren Aronofsky in disguise. Oh, my God. That's right. It's me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had to know what people really thought about my film, and I'm here to set the record straight. The Fountain's a masterpiece. I will not let anyone speak ill of it. The other Dan is shocked and confused, but Darren continues to speak. You see, the fountain was a labor of love for me. He's a pirate now. I poured my heart and soul into that film. Yet the mainstream media pirate. refused to recognize... <laughs> Power bottom. You... <laughs> Yet the mainstream media refused to recognize it as the masterpiece that it is. It's like they don't understand my vision. Darren, I, I had no idea. I'm I'm sorry if I offended you. It's too late for apologies. I have been devastated by the critical reception of the fountain. I am a genius auteur. I will not be denied the recognition that I deserve. It's 58. Oh, Darren it's begins to sob, clearly overcome with emotion. The truth is, I had no idea what I was doing when I wrote the fountain. I was weighing over my head after having seen Southland Tales. Wait a minute. That that's why he put the Boxer Santeros tattoo into I thought I could make something as deep and philosophical, but we were just fooling myself. The fountain is a mess, and I'm sorry to everyone who had to sit through it. With that, Darren runs off the set, leaving behind a tale of destruction and a ruined podcast, leaving the two Dans to pick up the pieces of their destroyed friendship. Jesus Christ. You know what? This is why you don't do bits. This is fucking horrifying. <laughs> My bits are like a little more lighthearted than this. <laughs> you didn't enjoy that. I mean, no. I mean, you trained a computer to hate me, so no, it's not. Dude, it's not hating you. It's hating Darren Aronofsky disguised as you. Look, this was wild. Dan, I wish I had saved the length of the paragraph of the prompt that I got to to get it to this point. I can't even imagine how much tooling you had to do. It's sad. The lengths to which... <laughs> You wanted this computer to hurt me. I did. I thought you would think this is hilarious. I do. This was a, this was a top, top tier bit. <laughs> random, random button. Why should someone be gay? No, not that one. <laughs> that one's not appropriate anymore. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up, okay? Because we 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 have to get back to waiting a whole week before we record our next episode. Yep. But like honestly, are you gonna put it on the board? Make, uh, I don't want to, <laughs> dude. The the AI nailed it. Sorry for how many times I popped the desk this episode. <laughs> dude, the AI knows us, bro. It knows us because you whispered lies into its ear like friggin' worm tongue. No, no Dan. <laughs> All right, hold on. Your prompt is gonna be like Dan Lyons is an arrogant asshole. <laughs> <laughs> who likes fucking trash movies and whose opinion is wrong. Se- like, listen, to retroactively try to make it seem like Southland Tales needs to be defended like, <laughs> against one of my favorite movies of all time is sadistic. You trained a computer to hate me like the Terminator. All right, so the fountain. Jesus Christ. The fountain.
Dan, you gave it a, a 6.5. Yeah, Dan. Can, can I get you to a 6.6? No. I was at a 6 originally. What did Kat say about your opinion of it? Uh, we, we didn't talk about it too much. Well, bully on me, Ben. There, when there's a movie that she likes and I don't like it, I'm not going to do that. She's not a co-host. I'm not there to hurt her feelings. I'm going to give it a 9.5. You're going to give it a 6. Point what? Uh, five. Jesus Christ. Well, do you want to do you want to hear the very first? Uh, when I put in the very first prompt, sure. Do, do you want to hear it? It didn't come out as a script. In this episode of the Movie Blues podcast, host Dan Endin sits down with his co-host Dan Lyons to discuss the film Speed Racer. Dan Endin is a huge fan of the movie, but Dan Lyons has always been skeptical. Did it even mention Speed Racer? I said put an episode about. Uh, the two hosts discussing the movie F Speed Racer. Jesus. As they begin to discuss the film, Dan Endon explains why he loves it so much. He talks about the unique visual style, the engaging storyline, and the excellent performances from the cast. However, Dan Lyons is not convinced. He argues the film is too over-the-top and silly to be taken seriously. As the discussion continues, Dan Endon becomes increasingly passionate in his defense of the film. He uses examples from the movie to illustrate his points as he tries to convince Dan Lyons to give it another chance. However, Dan Lyons remains unconvinced and he continues to argue that the film is nothing more than a campy, cheesy mess. Despite Dan Endon's best efforts, Lyons remains unconvinced. The two of them continue to argue throughout the podcast, and it becomes clear that they are never going to see eye-to-eye -eye on the merits of Speed Racer. In the end, they are forced to agree to disagree, and the podcast comes to an end with both of them frustrated and at odds with each other. You know what, dude? Yep. Yeah, bring you here. I do all this, man. <laughs> it's my favorite movie. And you do this, man. Fuck you, dude. I'm trying. I'm trying to make the prophecy come true now. Right, be mad at the computer, not me. Listen, you and your friggin' Game Boy ruined my life. <laughs> my Gamecast. This was my birthday movie. How dare you? It's closer to my birthday than it is yours. It's fair. I've trashed so many movies that you've enjoyed. It's just terrible at this point. So this is what it feels like, huh? So that's what it feels Did like. Did I really trash it that hard, though? Re yes. Because I wanted you to be like, this was fucking nuts. I wanted that, too. Very much, though. So. I wanted that for us. And now we're fractured. And you know what will bring us together? A Matthew Perry movie. Yeah, baby! <laughs> See you next week, dummies. <laughs> <laughs>